Hello everyone and welcome to the Mortgage Show podcast. My name is Monty and I'm your host of the show that takes an insightful and irreverent look deep into the mortgage market. We want to look at what makes it tick, speak to the movers and shakers, as well as those at the coalface to understand not just where we are, but where we are going and how we can improve. After our last few episodes homed in on some distinct subjects, I wanted to take a step back and look at our industry as a whole, where we are now, how it's changing, and also delve into the whole question of networks and ARs. I also thought that this week's guest would be a perfect for such a challenge and also give you all a chance to get to know him a little better. He is one of the nicest guys in the industry, someone who's always given me time and uh, some important advice, which I've actually uh, listened to. Um, He's been Head of Mortgages and Protection at Payment Shield, MD of the Mortgage Club at LNG, the CEO of ULS Technology and is now the Deputy Chief Executive Officer at Mortgage Advice Bureau. So that's insurance, tech, DA, networks, ticked off, and he still looks younger than me. So <laughs> welcome, Ben Thompson. Hiya, how are you? Very good, thank you. Thank you for joining me this uh, sunny day. Hey, just welcome. had a sweaty tube journey, so if you if you hear panting... Yeah, just about that, to stop there now. Just about. <laughs> so you're at MAB now. Yep. Uh, it's been, a, been an interesting road getting there, and... Um, I could start with the obvious question, which is, what's it like working with Peter Brodnicki? But I'm not that obvious. So <laughs> so what's it like working with Peter Brodnicki? <laughs> I saw that coming. <laughs> um, I like it because he runs fast, um, runs very quickly. I run very quickly, probably in a different way than him. Mm. Uh, we agree on practically everything. I think healthy, not absolutely everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but neither of us are slouches in our own way, and, mm. and he's obviously... Um, got a huge reputation. Everyone knows what he's done, um, and he's got very high standards and runs quickly. And I don't think I'm massively different, even though his style is a bit yeah. different. And so um, I'm enjoying it. Good. So, so what's a what's a day in the life of Ben Thompson now? Then it's a real mixed bag. Um, so you know, if you take the sensible side, which is unusual for me, as you probably <laughs> know, um, the sensible side is the investor side. Obviously, the all the sort of the rules around being a an aim-listed business, keep you properly honest yeah. and straight on what you can yeah, say at absolutely. any time. And you always have to be careful what information you put into the, the public domain. Um, but once you've got your head around that, which I'd largely done before I came here anyway, um, the rest of it is really about how we undergo an incredible transition um, of firstly making sure we build upon the great success that Peter and the team had well before my time, mm. um, you know, post pre- and post-listing. Um, but genuinely, I feel... Um, probably at a personal level, we're really at the crossroads at the moment um, in many different ways. Mm. We could talk about regulation, which I'm sure we'll come and talk about later. Technology, definitely. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I'm not going to touch on politics. I'm sure you'll ask me a question <laughs> later. Um, it does feel like we're at a crossroads. And I think the key thing on that point is you definitely keep an eye on things for now. But absolutely, yeah. Peter and I are looking very much at the future yeah. and how we change MAB from what it is today into something really quite significant. And... Um, I mentioned in the introduction there you've worked at high level, well, for a long time, covering insurance, tech, DR, AR, the DA, AR mortgages. Um, what are the main things you've learned on your journey um, that have helped you to get where you are today and, and what keeps you going when things, things get tough? When things get tough? Um, I think things picked up on the way. I mean, there's, there'll be a, a vast list, which I deliberately haven't written. I think some of the key messages that I think still prevail are the value of advice, mm. um, you know, assistance and help with customers and 
the value of distribution are probably four things that yeah and you know, i worked with someone 25 years ago who used to bang on about distribution is king you know that famous phrase probably more than 25 <laughs> yeah. actually and at the time i could have thought how many more times do you want to actually say it um, but of course it is incredibly correct um so i think distribution does have a tremendous value um, mm. i think at a customer level with a lot of the noise going on around technologies um all the change going on around us, I, th- I almost think the one thing that you can't commoditize is help and advice. Yeah, absolutely. So some may point to, um, you know, disintermediation ultimately in a market, mm. um, a gradual wearing thin of the advice, you know, the value and importance around it. I don't. Um, mm. I think it's a fundamentally big decision to buy a home. If anything, it's becoming less frequent people doing it. So yeah. more and more they'll need advice. Um, and, and that hasn't changed in 30 years and I don't think it's about to change anytime soon. So yeah. I feel positive about that. Good. So, um, so therefore, following on from that, do you, do you think that the industry as a whole, do you think it's in a good place? Or what, what, what do we need to change, if anything? And, and what, what lessons can we learn from outside of the mortgage bubble, from, from other industries, perhaps? Yeah, some great questions in there. I think my, my simple answer first is what state I think it's in. I think it's almost benign and at a crossroads, mm. if that's... Uh, now, in some senses, some would laugh when I say benign. Because you'd point to you know the surrounding political environment, yeah, um, many other things. But to qualify what I mean by benign, it's it, it's basically a low interest rate environment for the last what twelve years roughly, yeah, um, very artificially low relative yeah. to the twenty thirty years before, and in, indeed all history, frankly. Um, I think we're going into a phase when regulation is probably going to challenge and change, and maybe mm. we'll talk about that a bit later as well. Um, and technology clearly is changing as well. Um, so I think. We're about to undergo significant change, either in the next two or three years or in the next five to ten. Um, and therefore, I'd call it in a bit of a benign state and ready for yeah. a, a next sort of gear change, if you like. And maybe we'll come on to that in a second, I think, as well. Um, other industries to look at? Um, I'll use the word complacency later. And I don't feel <laughs> it. I, I, firstly, I don't think the industry is complacent. Right. But I don't think we can afford to be complacent, no, uh, complacent either. Because I look at things like the travel industry. Mm. Um, you know, quite famously, we've got a very big tour, tour operator potentially going down in the next mm. couple of weeks that's been around for as long as I've been alive, mm. been a big um, business as well. You know, you look at the likes of Airbnb, Expedia, TripAdvisor coming into that space, you know, Amazon into retail and other, including sort of mm. you know, the tech side. Um, you can't stand still. Um, and certainly Peter and I in particular at Mab um, see we can't stand still. So what mm. does the next 10 years look like? Um, so I'd look to other industries like, you know, travel and other to say if you sit back on your mm. your laurels, you're in a bit of a bit of bother. Yeah, I think that's um, that's part of the issue. For I talk to a lot of brokers, obviously, and um, yeah, some of them some of them think everything's going to change. You know, we're ready for it. Tech's really exciting, and others think uh, it's a bit like one of my mates who famously, when the internet came out, he said, yeah. "Yeah, it's rubbish. It'll never catch on." Yeah, um, and so they are they are in this in these these two states of it's definitely going to change, it's not going to change, and don't worry, everyone will, will always need to speak to me. Um, so uh, you only have to open the mortgage magazines and it seems like every broker is releasing the next big thing. We've, we've yes. done this, we've invested yep. millions and we're going to change the world. Or, and, uh, and it does seem like that. We're either going to change the world or they're going to put all brokers out of business. So, so what's the truth? Where where does the truth lie within all that? And uh, and are brokers generally doing enough to to understand tech and embrace it? I think um, it's it's a really difficult one to answer. And I tend to look back to look forward a bit. 
um, and say, what I, what do I expect to happen out of everything you just mm. said? I think inevitably where there's improvements to be made with customers to efficiencies, cost savings, etc., inevitably something will prevail. Um, you know, whether it's something around blockchain, whether it's something completely different, whether it's a big retail name coming into our space, mm. something will change very definitely. Um, but you know, I think the key thing is the fundamentals about any business. Have you got distribution back to that point from before? How are you going to monetize the platform, even if it's really clever and whizzy? You know, who yeah. you're budding up with and how you funded. You, know, you can't just have angel funding and expect to be successful if you don't have distribution. Yeah. Um, so the fundamentals are it has to sort of um, absolutely clearly add value um, and be well funded and probably mm. have distribution as well, and then it'll do very well. Um, and we've seen a handful of really interesting things, in particular the last 15 months. If you ask me what my working week comprises, you did earlier, we do see lots and lots of new tech platforms yeah, and ideas. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, ten ma- a penny many will these fail. days. Ten a penny. And many will fail. <laughs> well, that's the thing. There's so much money being pumped into it. It's almost, um, it's, it's almost like a fear of missing out now, which, which is basically yes. generating all of this. And there's loads of money being pumped in. They can't all succeed, surely. Well, they won't, will they? No. Uh, so, go back to the internet and you, the famous quote. Um, you know, so the complacency around then, I, I remember very well. You know, unfortunately, because that's that's the age I am now. <laughs> um, like to say, I don't, but I do. Um, he and, does look younger than me, seriously. <laughs> and the next time something like that comes up, which I think is kind of the crossroads we're at at the moment, I made mm. a promise to myself. You know, face into it. Um, absolutely make the most of it before the wave comes along. Mm. And I think that's what we have to do, in particular at MAB at the moment, and I would say the industry needs to seriously consider as well. Mm. I'd understand, and I can say this because I'm 50 now, um, the industry does segment. You know, If I had five years to go, for example, I might not be that bothered. I've got a great mm. client bank. I know I'll do very well in the next five years. Why should I worry about this stuff? Yeah. But if I'm running a big firm or if maybe I'm younger than I am, I might be thinking for the next few decades and think I need to set my stall out a bit more differently. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree with that. Um, so I know, well, I know that MAB do a lot of work around customers, and you have customer forums, and well, you have them in a in a room behind a glass screen, and yes. something like that. I think Gemma was telling me finding out how they really <laughs> found think. it. Yeah. yeah. What 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 do you glean from that? What what do you think customers really want, or do they know what they want? It is really interesting because I mean the simple answer is we find out some really interesting things, and it takes you right back to base. Um, it's very, very easy to get lost in lots of different bubbles, um, in particular in this role. You know, mm. you can get very biased towards London and South East and how that feels. Yeah. You can get um, clouded because you've been in the industry 30, 40, well, 30 plus years mm. um, because you already know how the industry and mortgages work. Doesn't everybody else? Well, no, they don't. Um, and that's the point I was trying to make around advice earlier. People don't mm. naturally understand this and why would they? So I think the, the learnings we get from it are really to, it reminds you how little some people know. Yeah. And in that is the positive for our industry because we've got, we've got a great job to do in helping people and reassuring them and, and guiding them uh, because they don't know this stuff and why would they? They're expert in different industries and not in ours. Yeah, no, so absolutely. Reality check, I think, is yeah. a simple answer. It's interesting that, I don't know if you saw the Santander report that, that came out this week where they uh, questioned loads of first-time buyers about what they know about the mortgage process and questions like... There were lots of people who thought the deposit on a house was something you actually get back. Oh, right. Uh, things yeah. like that. And, oh, and case in point. Education is, I mean, it's just, it's non-existent in a lot of cases. And this, this report really highlighted that. And when we go round to companies and do our mortgage um, seminars, we, we, started, we started assuming that people had a, a level of knowledge. 
And now we've had to strip it right down to basics. So our first slide is, what is a mortgage? How does it work? And the first point that everyone goes, ooh, and takes notes is that the mortgage is a loan secured on the property. So the two are linked. Yeah, And people don't really understand the relationship between it. Yeah. And, and, that, uh, and to me, to you and I, that's that's fundamental, isn't it? Mm. And it's, there's also an assumption. I think it's a first time buyer now, 33, 34 nationally. I think, and yeah, that's right. much higher in London, obviously. But um, the natural expectation is, if you're between the ages of 33 and 40, let's say, you know this stuff. Yeah. Whereas before, it used to be 24, 25 year old buying, and you could understand why they don't know. Mm. But actually, it hasn't changed. Um, yeah. You know, and why would it have as well? And obviously, it may be a, a national. Do you see massive differences in in the take up of a, advice generally um, um that from i think it's always been the way in the years i've been working there's an assumption that people in london and the southeast don't need it as much as people in where well, they're parts all of arrogant the country, aren't I? I think yeah and I, <laughs> there's probably something in they're all not really that. i take that back <laughs> we love you um you know i don't think it's a national picture i think there are definitely differences yeah um but the one thing i would pick out which is um the po- point i was trying to make a little while ago was um once you go out to some of the areas outside of London in the southeast, it's very clear to see that a lot of them are actually very positive mm. and they're doing very well. You know, there's quite a number of transactions, prices are going okay, and they feel all right. And mm. it's quite nice sometimes to go outside of London and see that, um, mm. whereas you can get a bit lost in the, the Brexit doom and gloom. Unfortunately, that's a fine for me because I just <laughs> mentioned the word. Um, but I'd, there is I'd, life I'd, outside yeah. of London, and it's so important to remember that as well. Yeah, there's a there's a tin there which is uh, the Brexit <laughs> yes, I'm just swearing dropping up a pound in yeah. now as we speak. Uh, no, it's five of these days. Oh dear, sorry, show my age. <laughs> We're basically the same age, so <laughs> every time you mock yourself, you're mocking me. So. Uh, it's about four ninety five. So what what's been interesting actually, especially if you, you look at some of the um, some of the comments on Twitter and and doing the rounds recently, is so, that the battle between whether you should be an AR or whether you should be a DA, uh, I mean, it's always been a healthy debate. Um, and with the senior man- manager's regime on the horizon, yep. um, there are a couple of questions around this. Does, it, does this give ARs an advantage now? And why would a firm consider an AR route rather than DA? Or is it becoming harder for networks to justify their costs these days? So there's quite a few questions, and I'll try and pick those yeah, off. Yeah, sorry, I, think, I do no, no, that. That's good. You remind me when I forget <laughs> the other ones. Um, well, firstly, there's no right or wrong with ARDA, as, mm. as I know you know better than anybody. Um, so it's you know different folks, different strokes. Mm. Um, in terms of where we are, I come back to the benign point. Um, you know, we're 12 years interest rates, but they are very difficult coming out of a credit crunch after the noughties, if you like. Yeah. But we haven't seen what I call a regulatory catalyst in that time frame that we may have seen in the previous couple of decades. So at the moment, it's kind of everything's kind of settled. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, a movement of a percent or two between DA and AR, but there's no seismic change. Do I think SMCR is the catalyst? Probably no, um, but it right. does create okay. clear water between, if you like, AR and DA. Going forward, it could be regulation changes something further, or as you'll remember as well as I do, you know, if there's another liquidity crunch, yeah. um, let's just say something goes horrible at the end of October into next year and we get a tightening with the banks again, <coughs> then as we saw a decade and a bit ago, there's a big difference between AR and DA. And in that guise, if I'm going into a downturn, personally, I'd rather be AR than mm. DA. Um, but of course, it's different. Different people have different requirements of different businesses. Um, but I think from for the one thing I distill, other than regulatory assistance and technology, is mm. for MAB, pe- people tend to join MAB to grow. 
Yeah. Um, we don't tend to want people to come in necessarily who are happy just to tick over. This is about helping businesses to grow because we grow as well. So it's less AR and DA. Yeah. There's kind of two types of AR. There's AR1, which is not us, and there's AR2, you yeah. come to us to grow. Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, obviously, maybe I'm a bit biased, but that's one of the reasons we came to you yeah. was that we wanted to grow and you, you've helped us grow. So, uh, and you had the perfect opportunity there to disagree, of course, didn't yeah. you? Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, look, I'm... Um, yeah, I've been around 25 years as well. And, and, and before before we became an AR, I've, I've always been a DA. And, um, and I, can see, I can see the benefits of both. And I think it's, it's sometimes harsh just to, just to say one route's the right way and one route's the wrong way. We're both um, saying the same thing, both, yeah. You're both yeah. saying the same thing. Yeah. And, and everyone just needs to work out what's best for them. Yeah, and I completely and, agree uh, with that. And deal with that. And, and part of this growth that MAB have been on has been quite phenomenal, really, now worth however many millions as a company you are yep. um it become a bit of a behemoth really um so so what can we expect from mab next i think if i look at i suppose the core engine the core model or core mab if you like um the hope is we'll continue the plan is very clearly we will continue to grow at a similar pace to how we have grown mm. uh, with the core business if you like through helping our partners to grow um and simply through doing the right thing um, and that's kind of your central engine um, what do I expect around that? Well, a few things just to pick off. Um, you know, there's probably a, a desire from us definitely to become more involved in home moving process. Right. Perhaps in just mortgage and protection, a bit of general insurance and conveyancing. Mm. Um, and there's probably a deliberate drive to become engaged with customers pre then becoming first time buyers. So when yeah. they're renting and planning to buy in the next year or two. Mm right through to the other end of the spectrum in, in later life. Um, so can I, dare I say it, post 55, you yeah. know, through to much, much older, obviously. Um, and the reason I'm mentioning that is we're broadening our addressable market by doing that and helping people who are aligned to us with through the AR model to grow their businesses into a bigger market potential. Mm. So we're growing their opportunity as well as growing ours um, and equally meeting demand that customers clearly have, which is help me become a first-time buyer or help me roll off interest only, or release some money in retirement, yeah. or pay for my long-term care. Mm. And I think there's a real bolt-on on both ends of the spectrum to our respective market there, where we can really help our business partners that mm. I think will drive our growth on much more strongly mm. again. And then secondly, I, I know it sounds a bit boring mentioning the word tech again, but I, I think a real catalyst for change in the coming years is who's got their tech right. Yeah. Um, and I probably could just stop there, because I don't want to overblow uh, the point around technology, but... Um, you know, AR Network One, if you like, doesn't have the um, the infrastructure nor the investment wherewithal uh, uh, to invest into their own tech, if you like, mm. whereas MAB does. Mm. Um, and I do genuinely think once we've got that absolutely nailed, there's a real opportunity to grow yeah. a lot more quickly and really help our business partners to do that. And that um, that later life space is quite interesting and, and brings a question of lenders at the moment generally and, and innovation. It, it seems that you've got the big six who are, Know, they're they're knocking out everything cheap. They've got cash. They can they can do that. And then you've got the challenger banks who are who are struggling to compete because they can't change their criteria, um, but they can't compete with the with the uh, the low rates on offer. Um, so do you think lenders are are struggling to innovate at the moment? Where's the innovation going to come from? How are they? Um, doing that in the later life market or in any other market? Really? Yeah. So later life is 
it's quite interesting because there's some bigger change going on around it. But but fundamentally, um, to fund into that market at the pricing that's ne- needed to get um, customers to buy into and mm. remove the barrier um, to product adoption is the ability to long-term match on funding. Yeah. Um, so if I'm a bank, I'm effectively a short funder, as you know. And if I'm an annuity-based insurer, I've got the ability to you know, command really decent pricing around equity release products. Yeah. So I see the innovation and the real clever stuff being done by um, you know, banks that have captive insurers, and there's one obvious one that's pretty much top of the tree, um, or some of the big insurers themselves, or some of the global funds. Um, that's where I think the real push in terms of funding into the market will come from. Mm. Other than that, that kind of leaves retirement interest only for your conventional building society or bank, mm. and that product's not quite right yet, bluntly. No, it's not. No, it's um, not. You're pretty much going to fail on affordability, and it's not really meeting the needs that's required in the market, so I yeah. expect change there in time. Until then, I think it's new funding into market from those types of funders. Um, and I think once the uncertainty clears, I think people will make bigger decisions and the market will go again probably next year, having yeah. gone through a big period of growth in the last three years as the likes of LNG and Waterlife and others have come in. Uh, but it's definitely a market to watch and it's one we want to get absolutely right. Yeah, uh, It's a market that makes someone twitch. <laughs> That, who makes what, me twitch a phrase bit. used recently um, so we've got to get it right and we will and that's something which we'll move on in due course yeah um, and obviously a lot, oh well a lot depends on the market and I, and I hate it but it, it would be remiss of me not to discuss a little bit of politics <laughs> and the dreaded B word um, what, how are you seeing that affect things from a national perspective um, Brexit generally is it is it having a massive effect I think staying apolitical, um, not massive, no, but I think a long and drawn out um, period of people sat on their hands um, for me. So if you're making a big decision at the moment, you've got that discretionary choice. Um, do I make it or do I wait? And it's pretty evident lots of people are waiting, even yeah. though there is a sign that one or two have thought, I can't wait forever, I'm going now. And we've mm. had a little bit of that, I think, this year. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing is it's creating more pent-up demand and uncertainty, and we could do without it. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um well, there's talk. Uh, well, the latest talk is it'll be another year oh, good. extension. So uh, <laughs> who knows? I don't know. I've, Do you know, I've given up on it. Jumping honest. in on that without getting yeah. into a huge discussion <laughs> on it. That, that is the last thing I think everybody wants, let alone the industry. Yeah. Whichever way we go, we just need to get this done. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Should we, um, both, should we both reverse out of that now? <laughs> we'll reverse out of that. Yeah. I'll get angry again. Um, yeah. In fact, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to move on. Um, the FCA, yes. more comfortable ground. We can hammer the FCA. No, well, we can't. Um, <laughs> I can't. No, you can't. Um, but the, the, they do seem intent on pushing an agenda of cheapest is best and also seemingly pushing the merits of execution only again, which seems to be a massive change from MMR and what, what that all that's introduced. Um, what's your take on all that? Yeah, it, it's not passed me by. And we've fed back, um, I think, quite clearly on... You know where we think there's that's kind of right and where it sort of isn't, if you like. Mm. Um, so to deal with the former bit, I think the desire for increased competition to do the best by the customer, produce the best price product, indisputably the right thing to do. Uh, but there's various scenarios I can think of and you can think of where cheap is definitely not always the best. Yeah. And I hope that the feedback that's gone in, hopefully not just from us, but from many, many parties, yeah. will nicely make that clear to the regulators. Sometimes there are different factors like you know service, uh, term of the mortgage itself, how much someone can borrow. Mm. You know, is it right that I can, as a first-time buyer, borrow 220 at 2.49%, or I can actually stretch to 265 at, at 3%? Yeah. 
Well, I think it's probably the latter because mm. I get another bedroom and I've yeah. got scope for greater property price growth. So I've killed that argument in one go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think there's a bigger picture there, but fundamentally I think what it's trying to do is the right thing by customers in terms of mm. competition and price, and that's a good place to start, but it's not quite as black and white as mm. that. And do you think the, the whole execution-only thing, um, I'm quite passionate on it, as you would expect. Yes. Um, do you think that there's a danger there that, that actually that just dumbs down advice and, and leads to people taking out products that they don't mean to take out? Yes, I really worry about that. And if I jump forward 10 years, um, just picture the scene. Let's just say that rules are relaxed next year, for sake of argument. Mm. Um, and then we go through a post-Brexit adjustment to interest rates that normalise at 4%. Yeah. Where do we think complaints lie in six or seven years' time? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> and that falls on the banks or whoever's offering yeah. XO at the time. And I think yeah. that needs to be really, really thought through. Mm. Uh, because we are at low interest rates. People might not be complaining at the moment, but when things go up and they're under stress, I think things will change. Mm. Um, so I really worry about um, the obligations that places on typically the banks who are more likely to offer it, I think. Mm. Um, and then also, you know, from a customer perspective, um, I'd much prefer us as an industry perfect the simplification and the elimination of inefficiencies in a process. Yeah, absolutely. It's still heavy on advice. Yeah, because then a customer gets a quicker transaction, but they still get advice, yeah. and that ticks both boxes. Yeah, and for me, that's that's where going back to tech. That's that's where tech lies. Definitely, for me, it's improving an antiquated process. It's anachronistic. Let's let's make sure the customer journey is absolutely right, and you can still give it that tick of advice. Definitely. Um, and as a broker, if you get that right, you end up doing more in terms of business, but actually with with not as much paperwork and and hassle so it's got to be a good thing for everyone isn't it yeah and if i'm the regulator i think i'd be happy with that Mm. quite rightly always have what i call price disciplines in there but within a tolerance yeah absolutely so if i want a contracts race does it have to be the cheapest no i need to secure the property therefore it's 20 points more expensive yeah that's okay yeah um i forgot what my next question was I know you're dying See, to ask me about Brexit. <laughs> no, well, no, I, no, I was gonna, I was gonna say No Deal Brexit or Corbyn government, which is worse. No Deal Brexit, uh, oh, which is worse. <laughs> that was a question I was asked on the radio one. Um, so, all right, I'll be really and, straight and on that. Really... I'd, I'd much rather a decision was made quickly, which for me means of the two, I'd rather see a No Deal Brexit than that particular government. Good answer. That's a good. I like that. I like that. Um, right, where are we? Um, well, we haven't got that much long left, actually. So uh, so what worries you most about the industry at the moment? Probably come back to the word complacency. Yeah. Um, and again, I'd underline the point I made earlier, as you'd expect me to. I don't say the industry is complacent, um, but I do think sometimes we could do with looking outside of our industry for what we think is coming next, which yeah. is my crossroads point yeah, from yeah, earlier. Yeah. So I'd love to think, as an industry, we can prevent new competition from coming in and threatening, whether it's threatening the lender or the intermediary or other. Um, but I do worry there's a lot of inefficiency in our processes compared to other industries. And I yeah. think if I'm in some of those layers in today's process, if you like, I'm worried because I'm not really adding that much value mm. and I can easily be taken out through new technology. Mm. The industry needs to solve that as an industry today rather than wait for new competitors to come in and mm. eliminate them, <laughs> for want yeah. a better phrase. Yeah. So I worry a bit about that. Um, and... And to your point from before, I really worry, um, worry is too strong a word, but I'm concerned 
that advice doesn't get dumbed down and belittled. Yeah. Because uh, anyone I talk to, and I always check this, people always ask what you do and you explain and they start talking about mortgages <laughs> and housing over dinner when you really yeah. don't want it. Yeah. But I tell people com- I'm an airline pilot now, I get less questions. <laughs> a good idea, I'll nick that. <laughs> but what's very clear to your point from research before is, is people do need advice. Um, yeah. You know, we've seen what's happening in the investment world as well. And I think we just need to be very, very careful that um, we don't make that less accessible. Mm. And positives? Positives, yeah, plenty. I think um, pent-up demand. I know I'm probably famous for saying this for about 10 years since the credit crunch now, but you can blame the politicians for that. Um, Plenty of people have wanted to do stuff for many years now, and they will eventually do it when I think the word certainty comes back, not necessarily confidence. Confidence comes from certainty, doesn't it? That's one. If I look to the number of advisors in the industry um, compared, let's say, to 27, um, roughly speaking, we're around about half of that. And yet the gross market, if you consider the bigger picture of PTs as well, is bigger than where we were in 27. And yet we've got half the number of advisors. Mm. So I think increasingly we're successfully becoming more professional as an industry, which means more productivity per capita, which is more earnings. Mm. And as a business owner, I'm more likely than to be able to invest in my business for growth, which fits well with the MAB journey. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm quite optimistic on those fronts. Yeah. You've always struck me as optimistic, Ben. Is a glass ever half empty? <laughs> no, never, <laughs> never. <laughs> So, um, if you weren't doing this, if you weren't in the industry, what would you be doing? What did you always think you'd be doing? That's a great question. Well, firstly, I never knew what I wanted to do. Let's get that one out there. Some people say I knew when I was nine what I wanted to do. I never did. (laughs) (laughs) Probably still don't. Um, I don't mean that, by the way. Um, I think probably uh, if money were no object and if I I felt I'd done done something meaningful in this industry, and to be clear on that, unfinished business yet... Mm. Um, I like to help, um, you know, the mentally health, uh, yeah. mentally ill rather, yeah. uh, the anxious and the depressed, I think. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot of work to do there still. Um, and probably at some stage in my life, I'll give back in that way. Yeah. And I'll probably be quite a bit older. Um, but no, I think I'd probably like to do something like that. Yeah. Oh, very good. Who's going to win the Rugby World Cup? Oh, it's only one name, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say the right thing. England, of course. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Not Tonga. <laughs> Not Tonga. Well, you never know. Stranger things have happened. Um, anyway, thank you, Ben. Thank Time you has much. flown. Yep. Thank you for being open and honest and for braving the uh, sweaty tube journey. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't pleasant, was it? Um, no, thank you for having me on. Pleasure. Uh, so thank you to my guest, Ben Thompson. And of course, thank you for listening. We will be back next month. And if you have any comments or questions in the meantime to put to either myself or any of our future guests, you can contact me on Twitter at Monty's blog. Until next time, this is The Mortgage Show signing off.